Good morning. Let's just thank the Lord this morning. Amen. Father, we thank you for an awesome day that you have made. Lord, this morning in, in pre-prayer, Lord, the word was that nothing is impossible with you, not anything. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And Lord, I declare today that in the lives of every person in this place, every person at the sound of my voice, that that go deep in their heart, that nothing is impossible with you. Today, Father, there's impossibilities all over the planet, but not with you. Everything that appears to be impossible is an opportunity for the possible to manifest. And Father, today we rejoice, we give you the praise. Thank you for the anointing on the word, the anointing on me to bring the word, and that signs, wonders, and miracles will manifest and follow as a result of the preaching of the word. We thank you for it, we give you praise, and everybody said amen, amen. and amen. Glory to God. Well, we're in a series on Sunday mornings entitled Loving the House of God. Loving God's house. Um, I shared with you last week that there were some things about the house of God that we have to personally understand all the time. We, we, have, to, we have to develop in it. And, um, you know, to love God is to love His house. And the reason being is 1 Kings 9... And we read this last week, and, and I want to look at that real quickly. In 1 Kings 9, um, and I want to see, I want to look at verse 1. Um, in verse 3. The Lord told him, I have heard your prayer and supplication which you have made before me. This is, this is God saying this to Solomon. I have hallowed this house which you have built, and I have put my name and my presence there forever. My eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. My name and my presence are in the house and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. In other words, forever. Forever shall God's heart and his eyes be on and in his house. And we read in 1 Timothy 3.15 in the New Testament that the house of God is the church. So to love God is to love his house because his name, his heart, his eyes, his attention, his focus are on his house. Everybody say this. I am the house of God. Right? We, we are the house of God. You are the house of God, but we are the house of God. And when we gather together, this becomes a house, a place of worship, a place for us to connect with and to. And in the house, things begin to happen. And 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, let's look at that just, just for a second. 1 Timothy 3.15 says that the house of God 
He said, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. I said this to you last week, that the house of God, the church, taught me a lot of things. Number one, it taught me the word, the church did, being connected to the church. It taught me the word, it taught me faith. I didn't learn faith in any type of schooling I ever took, in any colleges that I ever went to, uh, they never taught me faith. Um, Very little teaching about my life, about growing up, uh, about being married, about uh, raising my kids, about about finances. I mean, some of it did regarding finances. Some of my schooling taught me about finances. But when I got into the church and started learning some things from God about the financial world, some of it went contrary to what I had been taught out there. So I'm forever grateful for the church and what the church has established in me and, and what the church has done inside of me so that through me the kingdom of God can be advanced. What, what we need to be is appreciative of who God is, we, we have to understand this appreciation for His house, who we are, but who we are. The house is who I am, but it's who we are. And then it's who we are all over the world. You see, we, we're part of something that is bigger than you and I could ever even dream or imagine. We're part of something that's bigger than all of the six billion people on planet Earth could put together and try to figure out. We're part of something that you cannot mentally figure out. And it's called the house of God. It's the house of God. So to love God is to love His house. To know God is to love His house. If you wanted to to meet and know the President of the United States... And all you ever did was hang out in Kerrville, Texas? Do you think that there would be a high possibility of you meeting the president? I mean, do you think you could? I mean, do you think that President Donald Trump will make his pilgrimage to Kerrville while he's in office? I don't think so. So you have to go where he's at. To know God, my my wife made the point this morning about this nice fall morning and winds blowing, a little bit of rain, it's overcast. (laughs) Woo! Mmm. Your couch, your chair, cup of coffee, sitting on my back porch. Woo! I could do it. You say, well, you know, I can know God there. I feel God stronger when I'm in the boat on the lake. I mean, I, I, I can tell you, when, when, when I'm on the ocean, when I'm in the ocean and around the ocean and, and I'm looking out over the ocean or I'm in a boat somewhere or I'm out on a you know, on a dock somewhere, and, and you, you're seeing the massive ocean. I mean, there's a something about the presence of God. But that's not the house of God. 
Yeah, but I'm the house. You are when you're connected to the rest of the house. See, the difference is, the difference is this. Jesus was the whole package. That whole package was left for you and I. (laughs) And why he did it this way, I don't know. But we got to get along with each other and connect with each other in spite of each other to become the whole package. That's what the house is about. See, the house isn't about, you know, going to church. Gosh, I hate that phrase. Yeah, I'm going to church. I mean, most people that have that attitude about going to church is you have to go, they've been forced to go, and I don't even like being there. The house of God is the church, according to 1 Timothy 3.15. According to Ephesians 1 and 22, the church is his body. The house is the church, which is his body. The house is the church, which is his body. You and I possess the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ, When he was baptized in water in the river Jordan, Spirit of God came on him and in him, and the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Why? Because for 30 years previous to that day, God saw faith developed in him. He was in the synagogue at all times. He submitted to his parents until this 30 years that we know of from what Scripture says. He submitted to his parents, to authority, and on the day of his baptism, he was well pleased because of the faith that he developed. Because Hebrews 11 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. Jesus had to live by faith and trust the Father the way you and I did, or he couldn't be pleasing. He he wasn't pleasing just because he was the Son of God that became the Son of Man. He was pleasing because he developed faith. And where did he learn it? From the word that was preached. He had to learn the same way you and I did. There's something about valuing the house of God beyond just being a place you have to show up to. But valuing the house of God as what you get and you receive. See, the house, the church, taught me Everything that I know today about being a part of advancing the kingdom. This year, for me personally, for my wife and I, and then for me personally in specific ways, this year has been a, it's been a real unique year in a, a lot of new connections, but a lot of old connections with people that God touched through my life at different times over the last 40 years of my salvation. Have I been saved 40 years? Yes, I have. Um, The other day I was was talking to somebody that um, kind of was part of, of my world even like 30 years ago. And the passion and the drive that I had 
to know God and to minister God. This person, I, I saw them the other day. They were part of the church we were part of in South Texas. And, and, and this person just made the, made the point that, that there was something that, sh- that this person saw me do by faith that caused something really miraculous to manifest. And it had been 30 years since this had happened. And this person came to me and said, because you did that, this is what happened in my life. That's just one instance. But that's what the house of God is about, that we grow up, we become who God created us to be, and you won't learn it anywhere else. You won't learn it sitting out and appreciating the ocean in a boat when you need to be here. I didn't say that the boat and the ocean and all that can't add to it. Did you hear what I said? Don't misunderstand what I said. Well, pastor says you should never go out on a boat. I didn't say that. I I didn't say it. I, I promise you, you'll see me on a boat again. Amen? You'll see me in the water, out in the, around the water, and looking out and meditating and looking and, and, and receiving all that God has in this amazing, beautiful place. But this place won't teach you what you need to know. The beauty of it was for our pleasure, but it won't teach you what you need to know. Only this will teach you. That's why so many people say, well, you know, I just think that this is how it's all going to end. Where did you get that from? Oh, I don't know. I, I heard somebody say, yeah, because nobody ever taught you. You never positioned yourself to learn and to be taught. And when you value that, things begin to happen. Just a couple other verses. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. I'm going to read it out of the New King James, and then I'm going to read it out of the message. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. I I gave you the definition of restraint last week, uh, last Sunday, and it's, and and it it is this, it's a lot of different things, but, but this is, this really drives my point home here. Restraint is a condition that keeps someone under control or without limits. It's a condition that keeps a person under control. Uh, Another piece of a translation says that restraint protects you from yourself. And what we're talking about right here is absolutely true. Where where there is no revelation, the, the King James says where there is no vision, The Amplified says where there's no redemptive revelation of God. Where the redemptive revelation is not being developed, being worked on, being built up on the inside of you. If that's not happening on a consistent basis, then there's no restraint and you begin to be whatever you want to be. If we live in a society today, do we live in a society today where people, it's just whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera, sera. That's the worst place for planet Earth to be in because we can't trust ourselves. You need the Word of God. Where does the Word come from? The pillar of truth is the house of God, which is the church. 
But you have to value that. You have to know that and be drawn to that so that you develop and flourish in everything else. The message there, I like what the message says. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Say that, most blessed. Say, I am most blessed. We are most blessed people if we attend to what God is revealing. Listen to me. Listen, I'm preaching a message to you today, and you know this. You've been around here very long. You know this, and this is absolute truth. I'm preaching a message to you, but I don't have the ability. I don't have the ability to reveal this to you. That's the job of the Holy Ghost. You see, you might say, Pastor, you you preach something, and I don't understand this. You know, I I need to ask you a question. Yeah, great. Ask Ask me the question. I'll give you my answer, but there's times There's so much of the time that the Holy Spirit wants to take what you heard preached and then reveal it to you personally. There's no way one message can touch every example and every situation that everybody sitting in here today is going through. But the Word will challenge you. You know, you can be sitting there and you, 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 maybe this, I can't tell you how many times people come for the first time and someone will come up to me and they'll say, "Um, uh, so-and-so invited me, did they tell you about my life? And I said, excuse me? Well, how would you know to preach that today? That's exactly what I needed to hear. (laughs) Well, that's not me, that's him. You see? But that's what the Word does. I would never, God is my witness, I would never preach a Word to try to get it over to you. You know why? Because you'd be the only one in the place that wouldn't get it. Because it doesn't come that way. Oh, man, Fabian needs this word. I know he does. Man, i got to preach this. He needs this word. Oh, God, I know. And then I get all worked up or something, and I'm studying some word to preach to him. He's not going to get it. It's not my job to reveal that point to him. It's my job to preach the word and trust the Holy Ghost to bring the revelation. See? And the revelation will come from the word preached if you do something with it. You can hear stuff for years and have a head full of knowledge and have no, you have no real understanding of how to practically apply the word and the truth that you hear. The Bible says if you hear and you don't learn to do, then you walk in deception. And that's where most people are deceived. Don't get mad at people that you know, have crazy ideas about the things of God. It's just that there's no revelation. You know, and when there's no revelation, then there's no restraint. And when there's no restraint, then you're in control of everything that happens with you. And that's a dangerous place to be. You don't ever want to be there. You don't want to be there. Can you say kind of amen? (laughs) Amen. Psalm 92, we read this and then I've got two verses I want to read for fresh today. We read this last week, Psalm 92 and... um, Verse 13. And it says, well, let's see. Yeah. Verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. Now, listen to this word flourish. This is an interesting word. This is very interesting. Um, 
Well, anyway, I, I, I could go off on that, but I'm, I won't. But one of, the, one of the synonyms of flourish is to thrive. To flourish is to thrive. But, but I really appreciate this definition because it says exactly what we're saying today and what we're bringing to you today. To, to flourish, okay, so when you're planted in the house because you want to be, okay, when you're planted in the house, which is the church, which is his body, when you're planted there, and what is the church about? It's about the truth. The church should be the pillar of truth. This should be where you learn how to walk by faith, where you learn how to discern the word of God. You should be able to hear words like I'm bringing to you today. And let's just say you're sitting in here today and you have some offensive attitude or whatever about, you know, people that have maybe for years told you that, you know, you have to go to church or, you, or whatever, that, that kind of thing, like I was saying earlier. And, and today what I'm bringing you is a word that would liberate you from that and be set free from that and embrace coming and connecting to the word preached because that's what the church is about without the word then there's no redemptive revelation then there's no restraint and we do whatever we want see so it's the word that brings the restraint that shuts down doing whatever i want kind of thing but that only comes by your choice it's your choice to show up hear what's said and then do something with what you hear that's your choice and, and too often, maybe sometimes in days past, some of the church world took it on themselves to, uh, to enforce it in a stronger way than one needed to be because people need some room and time to grow in that place of revelation. We don't need people coming in the door from the town, from the surrounding areas here that are all fixed and everything's fine. So that means you're going to have people walk in the doors that got some stuff and some attitude and some junk I mean, none of you all do, but, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the people out there. <clears throat> but, but people are going to have some stuff because they've been kind of God unto themselves. They, they've kind of been at their, their own, you know, uh, at, at the mercy of themselves, and they kinda, people just do whatever they want. And so you have to learn to want to be under restraint. But isn't it amazing? God's given you the choice for that restraint. It's, it's, it's not forced. Because every time it's forced, like I said, if I'm preaching to Dale to try to get Dale to get a hold of something that I, that I can tell from a distance that he's not getting, I'm really actually taking on the job of the Holy Spirit trying to force something into his life and he'll never get it. Because it's not my job. It's not your job. Not your job to try to convince others around you how bad they need to change. I'm not talking about not encouraging them. I'm not talking about being in a place where somebody trusts you and you have their best interest so you're going to speak the truth to them. I didn't mean that. Everybody needs that. But it's not your job because you don't like something that's going on in someone's life to try to force them to make the change because they never can and they never will without the revelation of this. And this will never come until they have a passion for the house. You know why? God's eyes or on his house. His heart is, on his, is in his house because he's building his church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against, but people that cast off restraint because no redemptive revelation, 
They can't be a part of the house that God is building. You can be a part of a church and be a, you know, I'm a, on this team and that team and doing these kind of things. But if you don't, if redemptive revelation isn't ruling in your life and you're not convinced of that, you can't be a part of what God's building. God can't build his church with unrenewed people. Because then they begin to have all these crazy ideas of what you can be. And I, you know, I can, God will tolerate that and I'll still do this. Now, there's places to serve in, in ministry and stuff when everything's not right. There's places to help other people. Who's got it all right? You understand? But what God wants is you and I in a place where we are growing in that revelation and we're making changes in our own life all the time. Part of what the definition of restraint is, is self-control. Where I control myself at will because I want to. And the only way you'll ever be that kind of person is when redemptive revelation from what you're hearing taught and then what you're doing with it becomes real to you. Can you say amen? So, those who are planted in the house shall flourish. Oh, I didn't read you the definition, did I? So, to thrive is what flourish is. To grow or develop in a healthy way, especially as the result of a particularly favorable environment. Those who are planted in the house will flourish in the courts. To me, the courts represent everything other than the house. Everything else that you do will flourish when you're connected to the house. And what is flourishing? To grow or develop in a healthy way, especially as the result of a particularly favorable environment, which what we're talking about, that environment is the church. Can you say amen? So, to do that, to thrive, you have to show up. Amen? You have to purpose to show up, position yourself to hear, and then do something with it as it gets developed. And along the way, there's all kinds of, you know, there's all kinds of parts that are played in that, but that is, that's the key. That's, if you boil it all down, that's the way that you grow and advance the kingdom of God. That's what we have to value and understand and see how vitally important it is. Amen? Um, 1 Peter 4, I want to look at two passages and then I'll be done for today. 1 Peter 4 and verse I want to do something with this passage. I want to look at this in the message in a minute, but I want to look at verse 17 in the New King James. Look at verse 17 first. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Man, I tell you what, through the years... My spirit man, for years, in my early years of, of my walk with God, my spirit man would read that verse right there, and I would heard, hear some other people try to give definition of that, and man, it just like, 
that didn't seem like my God. And I mean, I'm, I've heard some people really mess this verse of Scripture up. And it doesn't matter who it is. I'm just saying, there's some things here. And, and I mean, I'm giving it to you. I'm going to give you my illustration and my definition of what I see in this passage leading up to verse 17. What, it, what it's really saying. And then you have to look at yourself and make your determination. Okay? But... Man, what I've heard taught about this verse of Scripture, man, judgment's beginning. Judgment in the house of God. Look out. Man, should we even come back to church? I mean, we may fall dead while we're just sitting there. That's not what it's saying. So, verse 12 in the message. Friends. (laughs) I like the message because they... Talk about friends. Okay. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Don't forget that and go back and look at it. We don't have time to to focus on that, but don't forget that verse of Scripture right there in uh, those two verses in uh, in the message. If you're abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. Wow, that doesn't seem like fun. It's the Spirit of God and His glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. If they're on you because you broke the law or disturbed the peace, that's a different matter. But if it's because you're a Christian, don't give it a second thought. Hmm. Be proud of the distinguished status reflected in that name. Verse 17. It's judgment time for God's own family. Okay? Now, let's leave that verse up there because we're going to dissect it just for a minute. So, it's judgment time for the house of God. Where is the house? Everybody say right here. It's in you. So, judgment... It's time for judgment. It's time for me to judge myself. No, 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 no. Again, the word will answer everything. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. I don't even judge myself by myself. I judge myself by the word of God. Amen. See, because when, when you've cast off restraint and you have no redemptive revelation, man, you'll be too hard on yourself most people or you'll let yourself get away with everything why you're judging everybody else for all the crap they're doing and you're getting away with like murder well i didn't mean it i'm really sorry yeah that you got caught so he's saying here look if you're breaking the law and things aren't right we got let's get rid of that if you're being persecuted because you're a christian it's because you're doing this now, I don't, have to go, I don't have time to go into all the stuff about persecution as a Christian. But just remember, persecution as a Christian isn't because necessarily your belligerent attitude about being a Christian is being attacked. God didn't create us to be belligerent. You read 1 Corinthians 13, and when you get that down you'll be able to be the person that is doing in the earth what God created us to do. 
The persecution comes because of the Word. Jesus said, you'll be persecuted because of me. He's the living Word. Because of me, because of the Word, because of the restraint that you have, you'll be persecuted. Listen to me. But it'll be for a time. But sooner or later, listen, God will never be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Ever. See, so people that you think are getting away with things or doing certain things, they'll never get away with that if you let God take care of the judgment of them. Judgment begins in this house with me judging me by the Word of God. And when you judge fairly, there'll be some times you'll let yourself off from stuff because of what God said. Well, you know, you need to grovel over that thing right there. And that's what God said. No, no, Paul said, I consider it a very little thing to be judged by you because I'm judged by God. Judgment begins in the house. Notice what he says. It's time for God's own family. It's time, it's judgment time for God's own family. We're first in line. This is, gosh, I love the way it says this. If it starts with us, think what it's going to be like for those who refuse God's message. Some people think, oh my God, God's going to hammer. It's not what he said. If good people barely make it, what's in store for the bad? So what he's saying is, how many, are, how many good people do I have in here today? Come on, raise your hand. We're, we're all good people. I mean, there's none good, only God. Okay, I know what the scripture says. There's none good, only God. But we're, we're good people. We're, 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 we're allowing redemptive revelation to make changes on the inside of us and those kind of things. But see, if we don't take it serious and we just slide in, what's going to happen to the ones that are doing horrible? When judgment doesn't begin in me, then other people think they can get away with hell. You realize the responsibility that you and I have to judge our lives by the word of God? I didn't, ta- I didn't say the judgment from other people. Paul said, I consider it a very little thing to be judged by you because I'm judged by God. Where judgment has to come at certain times in people's lives because they won't judge their own hearts. It's an open book test. He tells us what to do. He tells us how to change. He gave us the spirit, his word, everything to make the changes. And man, when it starts in me, then other people around me, what will be their outcome? If, it's, if, I'm, if I'm coming into glory strong, think of all the people around me. Think of all the people around you that will come in and get delivered of the crap that they're in. That's what he's talking about right here. When judgment begins here, judgment, listen, the Bible says, when righteousness exalts a nation, the people rejoice. Well, judgment, God's going to judge America. He already judged America. He judged Africa. He judged Australia. He judged uh, the the North Pole. He judged, I mean, he, he judged everywhere. See, he's already judged everything. And when we disobey, you might rub up against the judgment of God, but he already judged. If you don't judge your house, then you'll sometimes fall on the rock, and you don't want to fall on the rock, you want to judge yourself. I don't want the judgment of God to be hammering on me, but it will if you constantly walk in disobedience. And he said here, 
If we're the house of God, we're the good people of God, we're the people that are born again and loving God, the people out there are going to come into the kingdom and things are going to go well for them if we judge ourselves. See, it's not enough just to show up to church. Some of you didn't think you'd get a mouthful like this today. But it's serious business. You can't stay ugly for the rest of your life. You can't stay mad and unforgiving toward other people because of what they've done to you for the rest of your life. You know why? Because you're hindering their deliverance. Sorry. Why would my sister be calling me? She prays for me every morning. And now she's calling me right in the middle of a service. Sorry. But that's the end result. Amen? So if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in stride. Trust Him. He knows what He's doing, and He'll keep on doing it. Come on. Wow. i got to read that again. So if you find life difficult, anybody ever found life difficult at times, difficult situations or stuff that you found yourself in, because you're doing what God said, take it in stride, trust him, he knows what he's doing, and he'll keep doing it. He already knows. He already knows. And so, so, how do you know that you're doing what God said? Because you get it from here. You hear it preached right? And then when you hear the word preached, you take what's preached and you let the Holy Spirit personally reveal it to you so it's real to you. It's not just what Pastor Bert said or whatever. That'll work for a season. That'll absolutely work for a season. It's because someone else said it. But it won't work when the devil's in your face and he's accusing you of all kinds of things because he's a good accuser of the brethren. He accuses very well. And when he's accusing you of all kinds of things and telling you you're a loser and all, those, all that, if you haven't gotten the revelation from God that you're everything he says you are, then you've got nothing to fight with. Then you have to come to me and let me help you to fight. And that'll work for a season. But there comes a day, like with children, you know, there's a little baby in the back there crying. I heard a little cry or whatever. That's fine. But if, if that little baby's 18 years old and they're back there going, Ah! Whoops, sorry. That was a little loud. <clears throat> but that's okay. See, that's what babies do. But see, if you're 18 years old and you've not grown up, that ain't going to work. Did you hear what I said? I'm sorry about that. <clears throat> I made the baby cry. I'm really a good pastor, child. I am a really good pastor, I promise you. <clears throat> Amen? But it's the truth. We have to grow up, and we've got to believe in it ourselves. Can you say Amen? Amen. Um, now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read two pieces right here in Isaiah, and then we'll get to it next week. Isaiah chapter 11. And we'll kind of we'll review a little bit and then pick it up from here next week. Isaiah 11, <clears throat> and verse 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. <clears throat> There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, 
the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with his rod and on and on and on. But who he's talking about here from the stem or the root of Jesse, who was David's father, was Jesus. And he said, what would lead his life is the fear of the Lord. What would lead his life was the fear of the Lord so that he would, everything he did in his earthly ministry, he judged righteously. He judged not by what he saw, but what he heard. And when you and I learn to judge by what we hear instead of what we see, when we see somebody do something and we pass judgment and it comes out of our mouth and our words judge another individual, it's very displeasing to God. We're not displeasing people because of our acts. That's just displeasing to God because he can't use that. And he can't use you if you stay there. If you stay in that rut, in that mold in your life, he can't use you there. And, and because he wants to build a kingdom that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And if you're moved by everything you see and hear, and emotionally you're, you're, you become traumatized by everything that's going on, and so you live in an emotional roller coaster up and down all the time because of what is happening, it's because there's no restraint and the redemptive revelation is not growing you up. Everybody gets moved emotionally. Everybody gets moved by what they see. Everybody gets moved by what they hear and those kind of things. But we can't stay that way. We have to grow up. Amen? Jesus came from the root of Jesse through David, through Mary. Jesus became the living word. He became the son of man, became the perfect example for you and I to follow after. And if he didn't judge by what he saw, and he empowers us by the same spirit that was in him, you and I don't have to live our lives being moved by what we see and hear. We can be moved and make judgment based on the word of God. And where does that come from? The house. We're the house. This is the house. The church, the pillar of truth, to deliver the truth, to help make the changes in the way you see things and you think. And when you get that established on the inside, you'll flourish in everything else you do. You'll become healthy. You'll grow up in everything else you do. How many wives in here you want your husbands to grow up and be everything God created them to be? <laughs> How many husbands in here want their wives to grow up? See, i got to, you know, equal time. How many husbands want their wives to grow up and be everything God created them to be? I mean, how many in here you want, you know, your, your, your children to grow up and, and to love God and all those kind of things? How are they going to do that by seeing you grow up? You know, how, how are the people, neighbors that you're ticked off at or people, friends or family members that you don't like and you don't like things that they've done, how are they going to ever grow up out of the mess that they're in if they can't see it in someone else? We take the first step. Let judgment begin inside of me in my house. See, if everybody in, the, in this house right here is judging themselves, then judgment is happening at the gates of the city. No, 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 that's not the way it works. The pastor has to judge everybody. No, not in this life. Amen? Because it doesn't go with this. 
Judgment begins inside of you. And we're all judging ourselves. Then we learn to love each other in spite of each other. That's the truth. And Revelation 40, 31, and I'll end with this. I love this verse. It's the result, this is the result to me of what the house of God has produced in my life. This is the result. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. When I come here, when I sit under the word, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm listening, I'm paying attention to the things of God. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I'm telling you today that the church of Jesus Christ that that is consumed with redemptive revelation working inside of them, and being developed on the inside of them, and they place themselves in that environment of growing up, the church of Jesus Christ will flourish in every single thing that it does. The church will. The church is you and I. We're the church. The church will flourish when it understands that it cannot grow up with anything other than the redemptive revelation of what Jesus Christ has produced. The house is the church, which is his body, who we are, individually and collectively. We make that up. And we're here to see the gates of hell destroyed everywhere we go. Amen? We are a victory looking for some place to happen when we take the things that I told you today and we apply them to our lives. Amen?